Hello, I'm Kristen Perisonotto. And I'm Hannah Ferguson, and we're co-founders of Cheek Media Co. This is the Weekly Cheek Podcast. You know, they're advisors. They have to know their shit. I mean, what we're seeing is that they don't. Yeah, Federal ICAC shelved. Who, who's, who's the, who the check are the and brains, Who are the brains behind this operation? Yeah, true. Who? I don't think they're the fucking people we're electing. I don't think I'd fight to the death for anything except, like, <laughs> chips. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start the podcast, I'd like to acknowledge that we are on stolen and unceded lands of the Yagra and Turrbal people. Um, I'd also like to mention that Cheek Media Co. fully endorses the Uluru Statement from the Heart and an enshrined voice in the Constitution for First Nations. Welcome back to the Weekly Cheek. Welcome. So in this episode, we're going to be talking all about democracy. Democracy. Um, and to begin, I have some little questions you all right it's not a quiz it's just a it's just questions it's my opinion okay in your opinion is it worse i guess i've like what do you object to the most oh god a someone who votes lmp because their parents do b someone who votes lmp because they know and like their policies or C, someone who votes LNP because they don't like any of the other candidates and they're the least bad in their opinion. Oh, that's really hard. Who? What do I object to the most? Yeah. B. Really? I object to the per- person who stands by their policies because mm-hmm. they believe in those values, mm-hmm. right? They they understand, they comprehend, and they choose. Mm-hmm. I think that A and C are the people that you talk to. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, actually, hmm. Okay, what, what about, I'm going to ask you a follow-up. Okay. Is it, and you might see these as the same thing, and that's okay. Is it worse to A, vote LNP because you know and like their policies, or B, vote LNP because you like the values of the individuals within the party? A. Is worse. Yep. Policy is worse still. Because they don't match. So when we talk about liberal nationals, I feel like the values that they preach are not the Mm. values that are reflected in their policy. They talk about Christian values, Mm -hmm. right? They're not like, hmm, okay, this is really going to upset me. I am agnostic, Mm -hmm. but I grew up in a Christian household that went to church, right? Mm -hmm. The values that Christians preach, if lived out accurately, are quite lovely, right? But I don't believe that the policies that the LNP create and filter and put through government and into legislation, I don't believe that those actually align accurately with my understanding of the values that they attempt to proclaim that they reflect, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, we talk about, like, oh, you know, well, we have Christian values. Let's put it in the religious discrimination bill, which allows, you know, like people to go and preach their beliefs to others that are not of that religion. So say a, um, a priest might be able to say to a woman that she has to submit to her husband or a priest or, you know, any religious member of the public who identifies with the faith could go and say, you know, and this is one of the examples I remember they used in a guardian article, Oh, that disability is God's way of testing you or something. They can go out and say these things. Mm -hmm. And I just think that protecting people 
And in giving them the ability to say this and, and in protecting their fucking freedom of speech in inverted quotations, mm-hmm. that that is not the values that you proclaim to like reflect and live out in your life. Like I just don't think that they're accurate and that they are that they translate. Mm-hmm. So I think my issue is the policy is the evil. The values themselves, the way they the, what what they say they represent and mm-hmm. what they actually are are different. Mm-hmm. The values themselves aren't the problem. It's the way that they think that they should act to reflect those values. So I'm saying the policy is worse because the policy is the thing that affects us in our everyday lives as well. Interesting. I think it's a hard one. But I have a different answer for both questions. Okay. Mine is the worst person is the person who votes because their parents vote. Because it means that you've put in no critical thought of your, your own. Yes. And then the second one, I am more opposed to people who are drawn to the LNP because of their values. Because in my opinion, I don't give a fuck what they say. In my opinion, their values are racism, sexism, homophobia, and I think that is reflected in everything that they do. But and but this is my point, I think, where, is that the things that the Liberal Party claims to represent are like the economy and, and, and I get like conservatism itself and blah, 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 blah. And I can understand in theory why someone might like these ideas, mm-hmm. but the actual values are different. Yeah. So I, but I think, it's, I think it's different because I think that the homophobia and the racism and the sexism comes out in the policy. Agree. So I think that's why I say policy. Agree. And I think we, yeah, we can agree on that. It's because for me, like if someone says that they vote liberal because they got a really good tax break on their mm. business in the last term. I just think that it, that for me, it's like, so you know enough about it that you know you got a tax break because of the Liberals. Again, that might not have been true, but whatever. But I just think that it's really wrong to place that above the fact that they do espouse like sexist, homophobic, racist values. But it's much of a muchness, honestly, because it again it does come out in the policy, like the religious discrimination bill. But I I do disagree with you quite hard on the vote like parents thing. I think it's more annoying that you vote like your parents and that you don't have critical thought. But I think that we underestimate how many eighteen year olds might feel like that. Interesting, you say that because there's another question coming up. I might. Oh, it is the next one. Okay. Intro to the question. This is um like there have been suggestions of having optional in Australia, optional voting from 18 to 21 and then mandatory voting from 21 and onwards. Mm. So that is where the question is based in. Would you rather a 18 to 21 year olds vote having never researched nor having any interest in politics or B maintain mandatory voting for everybody from 18 mandatory. Interesting. I say that because I think that we then lean towards America, Mm -hmm. which is that your first job is to convince people to vote in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think that the fact that, and and again, this, this perspective might lose elections, right? Means, but I, then again, I actually don't think that our bracket is the reason we lose elections. But anyway, my view on it is, I would prefer to just have the conversation about who you're voting for than have the conversation about voting and then who you're voting for. Mm -hmm. I think that we should encourage people to be engaged from a young age. And while that's not necessarily happening, I think that mandatory voting from 18 is like, I I think that's the thing to do. I think that, you know, young people should feel included from the conversation and not like, oh, well, just if you're interested. And as much as most people, I mean, I'm talking on behalf of probably a small minority of young people who really give a shit about politics, but I think that 
starting at, at an early age and, and engaging at an early age is the best thing. And I think that we would, I would like to maintain. What about the potential of starting mandatory voting at 21? No. I thought you would say that. I just think you're a legal adult and you should be engaged in society. Fully. Also, you're a young person. You, as a young person, were engaged already. So that's where our perspective. But here, here, here's the thing: my brother turned 18 on Sunday, mm-hmm. and when I went home for Christmas, he didn't. He was like, "What's Labour and Liberal?" And I was like, "I fucking run a media company that you follow. Have <laughs> I done nothing?" <laughs> well, if you go back a few episodes to our feminist confessions, you'll know who I voted for when I was eighteen. Uh, but so again, I think that should have been legal. The most important thing was that you voted. Yeah, and I and did my research. I wanted to vote and I couldn't because I was eighteen two weeks after the election, yes. and then I waited till I was basically twenty-one, and I was so upset by it. So sad. And again, whilst my brother might walk in there and vote for. Who knows? No, we've had the conversation. I was like, Labour. Um, <laughs> and I will ring him on election day. And my mum actually texted me yesterday and said, we just enrolled him to vote. Oh, that's so exciting. It's really nice, right? Yeah. And it's like, although I'm his sister, so I'm an insane person and we'll be ringing him about this and talking to him about this. It's mm-hmm. like, that's an easier conversation because I would find it really hard to get him to vote if he didn't have to. True. So, and that's a very specific circumstantial uh, anecdote about my family, but mm-hmm. like, that's my perception of it is that yeah. we should engage people from the start and encourage it from the start. I also guess I wonder what are the chances that the stats of people who just don't enroll to vote would go up yeah. if it was only optional from 18 to 21. I think it is like, that's, that's, that's I agree that would be a huge problem. Yeah. So once you got to 21, you might be like, eh, haven't done it yet. Who cares? Oh, but then it's like, you get a fine. Yeah. But you'd have to, you have to be enrolled yeah. for them to fine you really. Just kidding. Everyone enrolled to vote or you get a fine. You go to jail. <laughs> That's a joke. For legal reasons. All right. Would you rather A, see genuine consultation within the community ahead of any legislative changes? When I say genuine, I mean like it's actually listened to. Or B, have a panel of experts in the field making all the calls? I don't like it because I think both are necessary. Expand, please. Well... I think that no matter what level of government you're talking about, the communication with the community is vital, mm-hmm. but also consulting with experts and ensuring that we're not just in a fucking Facebook group war about what the speed limit on a road should be. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's there's power to both. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it can be really hard to reach a conclusion when there's polarizing opinions in those different areas. But I think that it's... Um, elitist to only allow experts to have input on what should happen to a community that doesn't affect mm, them. Spicy. I don't think that's spicy though. No, I think I think, I think right. I, because who who are, tend to be the experts? Right? Yeah, white men. And how do yeah. they get there? Not necessarily because they are the expert, but because they've had the privilege to get there, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying that that's the way it is for everything, but I think that it's who the experts are can be really subjective and mm-hmm. really the product of privilege and all of these other things. I think that just consulting with experts is elitist and can be, um, yeah, it's, it's really just academic inflation in a sense. And it, it can be like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that just, just consulting with a community, you may never reach um, a conclusion that benefits the whole, if you're just consulting with a small group of people that give a fuck about whether a park goes in or not. Mm-hmm. It depends what the issue is, I think. It definitely depends on the issue. And I think this is probably most, like, obviously applicable for local government. Yeah. Um, and they do hold consultation, but they don't consult very well. It's not two-way. All right. 
how far would you go to defend the right to protest in a case where it's anti-vaxxers who are potentially being restricted? A, to the end. B, wouldn't try at all. C, would try for a while, but not the hill I would die on. And C, requires you to expand. The right to protest is crucial. Mm-hmm. So you would fight to the death? But here's the thing. <sighs> fight to the death is strong. <laughs> I don't think I'd fight to the death for anything except like <laughs> chips. <laughs> <laughs> would you so would you take it as far as it could could be taken? Here's the thing. This is really hard because for example, I went to the Black Lives Matter protest in June of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, when there were mandates, mm-hmm. but we, I believe we weren't breaching any in, no, in Brisbane, so. right? And that's why I attended. Yeah. If there were health orders in place mm-hmm. and I would be breaching them by attending, I probably would have reconsidered whether I went. Yeah. I wasn't able to go to the invasion day rallies on the 26th of January because I had COVID. Yeah. That's just following health orders mm-hmm. and staying at home. In ISO. And also right. protecting everyone who's at the rally. Yeah. Obviously. I don't agree with protesting and it depends on like i'm not like oh you must follow every fucking rule Mm -hmm. but when we're you know looking at fifty thousand cases a day Mm -hmm. and you're protesting fuck off right Mm -hmm. but otherwise like as long as you if you can manage to protest by and follow health orders go for your life Mm -hmm. i understand that you have a right to protest and you want to protest the vaccines and lockdowns go for your life don't fucking injure horses Mm -hmm. don't fucking injure other people Mm -hmm. And yeah, this is what I mean. It's 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 the way you protest. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't defend. It's like if people are peacefully protesting um, for their rights, whatever, go ahead, whether I agree with it or not. But the way they were protesting and the way that they were going against the specific health orders, I don't have respect for. Okay. So this is a really complicated question. And mm-hmm. I, I, the right to protest is one of the hills I would die on technically, yes. Follow-up question. Imagine there's, this is These in are a, good questions, but it hurts. This is in a non-COVID world. Yeah. The people who were fighting for the right to protest are anti-choices. Does your answer change? No. What about... I can't, I haven't got any other examples. <laughs> it, and, and this is the thing is that, like, I hate these people. I hate them, right? Yeah. I fucking hate them. Go home. Literally no one gives a fuck, mm-hmm. Okay. And they think the exact same thing about me. Yeah. All right. Final question. Do you think any men should be involved in policy pertaining exclusively to women? Um, yeah. Who? Hoopst. Well, I'm not like, like this what one kind guy of- <laughs> I met 12 years ago. <laughs> I don't think that. What kind of people? What kind of men? Like what roles should they well, play? Well, I actually just don't think that, like I would, if, okay, if we're talking about, I guess it also depends on what policy we're talking about to do with women, mm-hmm. right? If we're talking about women's safety in the workplace, I think it's crucial that men are involved, mm-hmm. right? I think it's crucial that- In pushing forward the policy. In developing the policy, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that, and I'm not so, I'm Sorry, not this saying, is really binary, apologies. No, that's just about to be my point. I think that is very binary. I think that people who aren't non-binary should mm-hmm. also should be a much more prominent voice than men. Yeah. Um, I think that we should have, we should be, those these sorts of policies should be represented by the entire gender spectrum. But my point would be that I think, and this is not necessarily what 
I as a woman want to hear myself say, but I think that including men in the conversation is crucial to ensure that the conversation spreads far and wide. Mm -hmm. And I think that having a man at the table, many less than women and people who are non-binary. But I think that in order to implement it well, we need to have men across it and on board. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because I, 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 but it's also the kind of thing where if we're developing policy about men, I don't want to be excluded from the conversation. Really? Yeah. Because I think our perspective is really valuable. Mm. The thing is, I've never thought about that actually. This is what I'm saying. Like, if we were, yeah, if we were developing a policy about men's violence or something, mm-hmm. I think it's crucial to have women have input on that. Yeah, right. If we want to protect our, yeah, workplace, but that's about women. Then. But then, if we're talking about women's reproductive rights, I don't think that men should have a say. That's what I was thinking in my head. But I guess I... it depends on what it is. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of reproductive rights, I don't like. I think that cis men should not be, should be like outside of the room. Do you agree with that? You know what I think is hard about that is that like all my experiences with male doctors and surgeons and things has been pretty bad. Really? Yeah. I just don't have, like I have much better experiences with women Mm -hmm. when it comes to my healthcare. Yeah. So I don't trust men. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying every man who talks about reproductive rights has a bad, um, it has ill intention, but I think that it's just my personal experience doesn't really lend itself to this conversation then does it like yeah. well because for me i had um one of the best doctors i had when i was like getting on the pill for the first time was a man he was the one who listened to me the most yeah like i had a, a female doctor a woman doctor who was like oh i know that you're like seriously bleeding and like your mood swings are out of control but like just give it another mm. little while and uh, then i went back again and i saw a man and i was like this is happening and it's not fun and he was like oh like get off it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, however, my opinion is that any kind of professional man that you could get in the room, if you're talking about reproductive rights, it could be a woman. Yes, agreed. Um, like women I, are doctors. I guess twenty twenty two. I think that's one of the exclusive conversations where it, it does really just lend itself to people who are uh, women or non-binary, mm-hmm. right? But I think that when we talk about like workplace rights and women's safety in the workplace, we're talking about women's safety in the workplace, but those, that legislation, the policies they're trying to implement affect men too. Yeah. So it's like, well, a man can be sexually harassed in the workplace. So it's not exclusively our conversation. Well, I was thinking policy. like they're usually the perpetrators. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> but, but they can also what be What I'm saying harassed. is we can't be like, lock the door, keep them out because it does affect them. Yeah. I mean, n- not in the numbers. I'm not even trying to compare it or say, it's, you know, there's yeah, like one it happens to men too. One in 30. But I think that like, there's a difference between when we're talking about women's bodies mm. and in those other sorts of things like violence against women. And yeah. that, obviously that's against women. But I think that when we talk about violence and perpetrators, men also perpetrate against men. Yeah. Well, I guess, and I, my question actually did have exclusively to women. So I guess like when I'm talking about issues exclusively affecting women, I'm not talking about violence yeah. because that, is not exclusive. Exactly. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. I don't know. I don't know enough about legislating reproductive rights either. Mm-hmm. Because who's the panel of experts? Yeah. And I get what you're saying. Any man on that panel could be replaced by a woman, but like, is, I don't know. Are they there? I don't know the ins and outs of the medical boards. Do you know another interesting thing that I've been, that I have, uh, I have a problem with, but, um, I don't think it's able to be solved is like when these MPs, like, Okay, you're like the the minister for education or the uh, minister for health. Like they're going to say they don't have a background in it. They don't, mm. and I get it. Like you can't have like it doesn't work like that because otherwise because here I am I'm arguing for for democracy and like 
the people in charge should know what the fuck that they're doing. Um, but then like in order to actually achieve a world where the health minister does have a background in health, like you'd have to, it wouldn't be a fair election. It would be, it would have to be like some kind of like rigged setup to make sure that there was someone covering all of these aspects. It would, you'd have to overturn the entire thing. Here's the thing. I actually think that you're giving too much weight to how much these ministers do. Yeah. And how much is just the product of advice they've been given by their team. I know, but then that annoys me too. It's like your team. I didn't elect your team. Generally, while there's not concrete rules, people are designated to areas they have expertise in. But what about every fucking cabinet shuffle we've seen? This is what I mean. It's it's not like, it's not a, a hard and fast rule. But for example, like the attorney general is like, you know, the highest officer of the law in the country, right? But they have to be, don't they? They don't, but they generally only pick people with a legal background. Christian right. Porter was a crown prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the historically they pick people who are strong legal figures and most politicians do have a law degree. It's like, it's, I don't know if it, it used to be like 40% now it's 25, but it's, it's a lot of people, right? Yeah. So it's like, there's, there's a lot to pick from, but then you get to like the resources minister and things and you might be looking a bit slim. Yeah. Yeah. You know, arts, there's sorts of things. How many people who are in the arts want to go into politics? It's not Scott Morris. Peter Garrett. (laughs) Um, But I think it's like they try. Uh, Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they do. I think it seems practical too. Who like the minister for youth is usually not an old fuck. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I just don't think. I don't know. If I was a politician, I wouldn't mind trying my hand at different things, but I also get that that's a really ridiculous thing to say. But because the, the problem for me is then all of the decisions are coming up through your team we, who were not elected officials. We didn't elect them. Kristen, that like... I know it's an unsolvable problem. We, no, it's not unsolvable. I just think that that's a really interesting take on all of this. Like, I think that these people are, you know, they're advisors. They have to know their shit. I mean, what we're seeing is that they don't. Yeah, Federal but, ICAC who's shelved. The, who, who's, who's the, the who check and brains, Who are the brains behind this operation? Yeah, true. Who? I don't think they're the fucking people we're electing. It's the part, like the parties have the power in terms of a you, lot of. Do you think the advisors have more power than the politicians? I don't. I think the party has the most power. Like the national secretary of the party, in the t- in for the parties. National secretary. Yeah. Of the parties. Of the like of the Labor Party and the. Oh. Yeah. Really. I mean, I think that most of it comes through, like, strategy comes through the parties. Yeah, Particularly guess. around election time. Look, I just don't want to make a call on it because I don't know enough about it. Well, I'm guessing. I mean, it's hard. How do you measure power when you're not in there? We're a mole. We're going in as the little rats. <laughs> Imagine. I, I, would I would love Undercover boss, but we're just, like, <laughs> in the team. <laughs> I just put on a moustache. I'm walking through. That's my only disguise. <laughs> we are actually looking for an informant in the Liberal Party. So if that's If you're you, interested, please email us. Come forward. I'm not kidding. Seriously. We will keep you anonymous and we will, we will set up some type of secret code messaging system. I think the point, the point of all my questions was like, how far do we go? Okay, I'll say what I actually think. Oh, whoa. I think that... <laughs> so different views. <for> <laughs> I think, and look, I know this is like a bit of a fucked thing to say in the wake of Trump, but, and his like obstruction of democracy, but I think there are some 
progressive lefty people who occasionally get dangerously close to arguing against democracy. What do you mean? Well, I mean like the argument that's just like, oh, all these people are so fucking dumb. I wish they didn't vote or I wish they couldn't vote. Oh, absolutely. Like we can't, like, we can't no, have we that can't mentality. Do that. We can't do that. And like, look, I fucking hate the government. Okay. I hate the liberal party. I hate the national party just as much or maybe more. I hate the LNP. I hate it all. But I think that it is really important to remember that they are a reflection of society. Like it is our fellow Man. Australians. Man. <laughs> it's our fellow Australians who have voted for these people. And it is their right. And I think that it's wrong to ever try and get in the way of that right. I actually think that when people say things like that, it's a cop-out. It's the easy way out. They're saying, I'd rather people not vote if it's not going to be my way. And exactly. I think that that actually is a telltale sign of not believing in your argument enough or not yeah. having the strength in your convictions to argue the point. Because mm -hmm. I think that saying, like, I wish they wouldn't vote is you saying, well, like, I can't convince them, so, like, let's fucking get rid of them. Get voice. rid of them. Yeah. And, like, to be honest, that – and I think – what we've talked about before a lot is some people go so far left that they end up on the right. Exactly. And I think that that's an example of that because these are the people that want to limit our ability to vote. Yeah. They want to, you know, increase the voter ID laws mm -hmm. and, you know, push people out yeah. so that their votes are the ones that are amplified mm -hmm. and that people who are in vulnerable positions don't vote as often. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that argument is similar. Yeah. I think that saying like, oh, these people shouldn't be allowed to vote. Although I might think it in my head every day when I see fuckwits on the internet, <laughs> I think, oh my God, who let you out? You know, mm -hmm. that is me failing to argue my own point. That's what I think when I have no energy to That's think other thoughts. That's the thing. I, I believe in what our values are so mm -hmm. much that I'm like, everyone will get there. Yeah. Or I want to try and convince people as much as it can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. You're right. These people are elected for a reason. I don't believe they'll be elected again. I believe that this country over the past three years has seen what has happened. And mm -hmm. I believe that more people are on side with our views, right? Yeah. Let them vote. Let them all vote. Let's see what happens. Let them all vote. I will probably cry on election day just seeing the number of votes that the LNP still gets. Yeah. But... And we're going to do an event. We're not sure yet, but we're going to do something. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to do something fun. Well, we'll be out at the booths. We will be. So the booths. So <sighs> I can't wait. Honestly, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I but wish it could be tomorrow. Scared. <laughs> I'm, no, it can't be tomorrow. We're not prepared, Queen. We're not prepared. No one is prepared. No, but I, I believe we're going to win. Yes, and me by too. by we, I mean not the LNP. <laughs> oh, final I question. This lose. might go over time. Mm -hmm. What's the what's the role and the value of an independent? Oh yes, yeah, so. Um, I've heard people talking about how, like, independent. If you're going to vote independent, you may as well just throw away your vote. That's mean for starters. Exactly. Like, I've run as an independent. So fucking hard, by the way. Like, literally, nobody is helping you. But anyways, moving on. Um, the system is is against independence. But I think that that idea that if you're voting independent, you should throw away your vote. First of all ignores the fact that preferential voting fucking exists and there we did an episode a few weeks ago called the power of the, the power of one vote 
Um, listen to that one if you haven't already. We talked about preferential voting and how it works. So first of all, like you can put an independent one and you can put a major party two and then the vote more likely go to the major party. So get your facts right, first of all. Um, but I think the other thing is like there is a serious – like I – I understand the argument because independence in the House and in the Senate can throw a spanner in the works mm. because it means that like a party politic party legislation and policies can't just get waved through because they've got the majority. They actually have to fucking convince other people mm. who are not like not on their payroll, but like who are not already in the tent that they have to agree with them, which honestly, I don't think is the worst thing. Like I get it. I understand that people who are more loyal to to a major party would have a problem with that. Yeah. But again, like, I think that also is obstruction of democracy. Yeah. Like it's not, they're relig- we have independence in the Senate, in the house and in every state parliament in this country Yeah. or territory parliament. What do you call it when it's territory? Every, every jurisdiction of parliament, um, <laughs> every level, local as well. There are so many places in the nation that have only independence at local council level. Yeah. Um, obviously they have allegiances, but it's like not official. So I just, I think that a lot of the time people will vote independent when they are tired of the major parties and feel let down by the major parties, um, which I think is really sad, a sad indictment on the major parties. Um, but I also think it is legitimate. And, and also side note, I'd much rather someone vote an independent than like a conservative minor party, like Palmer or Hanson. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> exactly. And I just think that like, cause the, yeah, the argument is like, if you get if an independent gets into um, a seat, then they are going to get in the way of major parties getting their way. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that you can make a blanket statement that that's a bad thing. Yeah. So vote for whoever you want to vote for, Queens, but make sure you number all the boxes. Yeah, make Because sure. the likelihood of an independent getting up is very small. And the Senate is also very important. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's actually at the same time. And a pot. If you didn't find us completely insufferable, come back next Wednesday for a new episode. You could also find us on Instagram at CheekMediaCo or online at cheekmedia.com.au. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. 